opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Now that you know me, I'm Vileen Shah, the facilitator for East Bay, I mean, sorry, for I Love Braille, sponsored by East Bay Center for the Blind in Berkeley, California, and supported by American Council of the Blind. Uh, welcome, all of you, including our guest speaker today, who is Jan Levine. Uh, friends, I just have one announcement to make before we proceed. Uh, the East Bay Center for the Blind that promotes Braille and conducts several other activities for the blind and visually impaired people, including ceramic, meditation, and uh, uh, you know, having support groups and everything. It is now considering starting distance Braille education. In order to offer Braille courses at a distance so that people can learn at home, they don't have to travel all the way to the center and, and all others who live in any parts of the United States to begin with, which we will later on expand to other countries as well. So this distance Braille education is a marvelous idea, but it costs us money. So if anyone who is able to and willing to contribute any amount of money towards the development of distance braille education courses, please reach me out via email, which is shah, S-H-A-H, at eastbaycenterfortheblind.org. Of course, it is the 501c3 uh, acknowledged, uh, recognized, uh, institution. It has been there since 1960. So it has a quite long standing in the community. And uh, the, if you wish, you can even call area code 510-843-6935. Once again, email is more convenient. You can if you are able to send an email, or of course, you are most welcome to call 510-843-6935. With that little announcement, there's one small announcement, and that is about this month. With December 1 at our doorstep, we have started the holiday season. We have entered the holiday season and uh, the East Bay Center for the Blind will be closed during the last week of this month, which means we will not have a session on December the 29th. We will still have four sessions as usual. And uh, uh, that, that is December 1, 8, 15 and 22. But 29th, there will be no session. Okay, with that, I'm ready to welcome again our guest speaker today, Jan Levine. It is so interesting that Jan has shared her telephone number with me uh, when she was learning Braille, and uh, that was sitting in my list somewhere. For over almost 10, 11 years, we were not in contact. So when I saw her number, I decided to call and see if she can be our guest speaker. And she was so excited that she gladly accepted. I may say that Jan Levine, who is so aggressive in learning Braille, she was. And I can say that Jan, thy name is accuracy. She loves accuracy in Braille. And therefore, she has mastered the Braille proofreading skills. 
she is volunteering as a braille transcriber and proofreader for uh, i think the city that she lives in and uh, she will tell you more but uh, having lost sight at a late age and we do have some people here who have lost their sight at late age jan picked up the new situation and transition from the sighted world to the i would say braille world so quickly that i was always amazed i will not take so much time over to jan and jan feel free to share your story and tell us more about proofreading i mean braille proofreading as a career and braille, braille proofreading uh, ins and outs over to jan hi this is jan levine i as valine said yes i he was a wonderful teacher and i was in my 50s when i had an instant loss of vision uh and it was one of those things i loved to cook and i couldn't see a cookbook i had a little hole of about three letters big and that lasted for two years and that was it but i knew i needed instantly to learn braille and as i learned braille i loved it i mean there wasn't enough braille so as i kept learning braille i didn't want to stop learning braille so at the end of learning oops sorry i just knocked the laptop over anyway at, at the end of learning it that wasn't enough for me so i decided i needed to learn more and i turned to now for those of you who are not in the united states i'll try to make sure that to under make this more understandable to you but i'm in the united states anyway there is a course on braille transcribing and i decided i wanted to learn braille transcribing to learn more braille i couldn't get enough and to learn to do the um braille transcribing course at the end of which you submit a document i spent a lot of times on a perkins braille writer and i ultimately got my certification from the library of congress to be a braille transcriber i still didn't have enough braille i wanted to learn more well available to those individuals oh, available to those individuals who are tactile braille readers not sighted braille readers there is a certification that the library of congress offers for braille proofreading it has been said if you want to be a braille transcriber you need to be a perfectionist and i will tell you if you want to be a braille proofreader you need to be a perfectionist on steroids you just go wild finding errors now with that said that does not mean when you are braille proofreading you are not just looking for dot errors you are not just looking for errors that occur from misspellings you are actually looking through a document and you are looking for errors that are also errors of the braille code and here in north america the braille authority of north america has put out various braille codes there are braille code for chemical notation so if you're a chemist and i do know a couple of chemists who read braille and their braille their chemistry is all in braille there is graphing calculator guidelines there's braille formats and that is for the um textbooks how we set up textbooks there is 
uh, a code for crafts and hobbies. And this primarily deals with uh, crocheting and knitting. There is early learning material code. This deals with um, children's material, especially for young children where you're double spacing and you don't put in a lot of adult type items. You're not going to put an appendix or something like that on or footnotes. There's foreign language codes. There is an IPA braille, which is the international uh, phonics alphabet. And this deals with every sound that there is that can be made. And um, singers and uh, speech pathologists use IPA. There is the Nemeth code, which is for mathematics. There is music braille, tactile graphics, and of course, something that we're all into these days is UEB, Unified English Braille. In the earlier days here in North America, we had eBay, English Braille American Edition. And when there were items that were uh, internet addresses, we also had to look at computer braille code, which gave us how we did uh, compute, um, internet addresses in the code. So when you're proofreading, you're proofreading not just for the simple errors, but you're proofreading it as to the code. So what do I use as my tools? Well, I use a lot of paper clips, and I mean a slew of paper clips. And I also utilize a piece of paper with full braille cells, that is dots one, two, three, four, five, six, a row of 40 of them. Unless I'm doing a Nemeth um, algebra book, which will have 41 cells. And I fold that piece of paper and I put it right under because I'm looking at every single space when proofreading. And I want to know, make sure that that dot is in, is in uh, say, dot two versus a dot five. I want to know each and every space in case they put it in an error. So when I'm first reading through a document, I put in a paperclip wherever I'm encountering an error, whether it's a dot error, a misspelling, or a code error. After I've gone through the whole document, I then sit at my computer and then I have to write up. I have to make a report which will be sent back with the document to uh, the agency or so that had sent me this document. And the document, the report that I am sending that I'm required as a proofreader, certified proofreader to send, it will the state that I am providing you with, um, a, say, a page number, and then I'll give you, I actually have to type in, because I'm sending this to cited Braille transcribers. So I have to utilize a, a simulated Braille, which is Braille on a print page. And I utilize a six key Perkins style uh, entry to put the, so I put the error in that's in Braille and then I put the, er the correction in Braille. Now, if this is a code error, um, I, I will have to cite the specific section, paragraph, I say exactly what the problem is. Say for instance, you have a um, centered heading and the center heading isn't centered. It's off because they put it a little too far left or a little too far right. And I have to pull out where it says in the code where it has to be centered and then I'll put it in correctly centered. So as a result, the it is not uncommon to send a report in from a multi-volume 
textbooks say, and you might send a report back that is 40 to 70 pages long. It takes time and it takes knowledge of the code. And when you're talking about, I love Braille besides loving dots, I also obviously love the code as to why, what gets placed where. When you complete the Braille transcribing course, you receive an invitation here in North America to join the National Braille Association. The National Braille Association holds a professional development meeting each autumn in the fall. At that professional meeting, the people, the top of the Braille transcribers, which of course are sighted individuals primarily, several, a few hundred of them show up at the meeting and there might be four of us that, and this was pre-COVID, four of us that show up that are Braille readers. And it's an excellent time and you don't have to be a member to attend the professional development meetings. However, if you really love Braille and you wanna get exposed to something different, I would highly recommend you attend one of these meetings because the meetings are Wednesday through Saturday afternoon and they're twice a day, two different workshops, a morning workshop and an afternoon workshop. And you will learn, you, you pick the workshops you wanna be in. The uh, cost of the conference also includes your meals. And you get to see, uh, not see, but you get to attend, say, a course on foreign language code. And so you're learning about foreign language or the Braille code for chem chemical notation. Suddenly you're in a class about chemistry. And so your fingers are suddenly touching items that you might never, ever encounter. And I find it very, very enjoyable. Well, but as a proofreader, I can't turn it off. And we're having as a presenter, the top person in the field of Braille formats or chemical notation or whatever. And I always have my box of paper clips ready to go. And because I receive a Braille edition, the rest of the class receives print editions with simulated Braille in it. And I receive a Braille edition. And anytime I have an error, I of course am putting a paper clip there. And then usually during the breaks, I'll go up and tell them. It is at these meetings, I have been offered jobs um, one time I was offered a job to, they would pay for me to fly out to California to monitor tests that are given in Braille, not, not of Braille, but these are the large tests like the, um, uh, how do I want to describe them? The ACT tests, the, uh, tests that are given to enter college. Uh, I also, because of finding errors in the Braille that was given to me, I have also wound up um, being hounded, literally hounded, because a, I took a Braille proofreading workshop. And as a certified proofreader, I didn't know, need to do this course. And we had just changed to UEB here in the United States, and I was finding errors. And the individual had insisted that I continue to proofread because she had not had time to do the document herself. She, mailed, she had some other company do it. And after that, that company hounded me and hounded me and hounded me to try to work for them. One time, uh, describing the two big um, organizations here in the United States, the American Printing House for the Blind and the National Braille Press. I have taken their factory tours and they their setups are a little bit different. In the United States, primarily, most transcribers and proofreaders do their work from home. Uh, a proofreader normally gets a dollar a page, uh, uh, unless it's very complex, like 
uh, tactile, tactile graphics. Uh, so anyway, at the American Printing House for the Blind, they have a room, I think it has maybe 12 to 20 in-house transcribers, and they primarily do textbooks. And they receive NIMAS files, which are electronic textbook files from the publisher. And then they convert those for Braille and make Braille textbooks. The professional proofreaders that they have at American Printing House for the Blind are three that when I was there, there were three of them. They are in a small room, sitting at a table with a sighted individual reading from a textbook while the Braille reader is reading the Braille. The, the sighted individual reading from the print copy is giving the punctuation, the spacing, while the Braille reader is assuring that that is what is in the hard paper copy of Braille. The National Braille Press in Boston, Massachusetts does it differently. They had maybe two transcribers on hand. All of their stuff gets sent out to transcribers to do at home, contracted out. But their three in-house transcribers use refreshable Braille and there is no sighted person available there to um, read there. I think they had headsets on that was giving them uh, the, the uh, information, but they do it with refreshable Braille. My personal preference, I want a hard copy because I want to see what it's going to be when it comes out. When I went to my tour at the National Braille Press, I got there early because I take public transportation and I sat down and on the table next to me while I was waiting for my tour was their magazine called Our Special. I pick up the magazine and I start reading and by the fifth, by the fourth page, I had already found five errors. My, my mind was going nuts. I just couldn't continue reading and I kept complaining about it. And in this case, they were discussing the word about desserts, chocolate cake. And they were using the word desert, one S instead of two S's. <laughs> so I complained the whole time while I was on my tour at because each location you go to, you get a different um, person describing the area. By the end of that tour, the president of National Braille Press was pressing me very, very hard to sign up to be a transcriber for them. Um, so jobs do come to you. They can come. But um, it's very interesting. I have turned down work rather than take work. So as that is said, my last art I'm going to talk about is some notable Braille errors that I have come across. And as I said, when I come across a Braille error, it's as I am the perfectionist on steroids. So one of them uh, happened to be in, we, my husband and I were taking a trip and we were in Seattle, Washington, going from the airport to downtown on their link light rail train. And there, of course, is a Braille sign, and my husband shows it to me, and I'm reading the sign, and the sign is fine until I get to the end in which it gives a telephone number. And now this sign, which is in literary Braille, namely everyday Braille that you're reading in a magazine, has placed the phone number in Nemeth Braille. That is they have put the numbers in the bottom part of the cell. It should have been in literary braille. If you recall, uh, telephone numbers would be in the upper cell part of the cell. That is dots one, two, four, five. This, they were using Nemeth, the A through J, but it is now in two, three, five, six. So that was an error, which, of course, was very glaring to me. So the worst 
cases of errors that I have ever, ever encountered happens to be here at, in my Stillwater City Hall. And when I first went there and I had examined all of these uh, room number plaques that tell you the room number and what the room is, I was floored. I was ready to write a letter to the editor to complain about uh, the, the poor Braille in this place. I just went, after I got this um, invitation to speak, I went back and they're in the process of renovating the signs. And the signs, no, many, most all the signs except for one have been removed. They've been replaced, but I can remember some of them. The, the new sign for is custodian, and it's written now in uncontracted Braille. But at the time, the janitor sign was spelled J-A-N-X-O-R. Yes, X. They had taken the contraction for it, because janitor normally is spelled J-A-N-I-T-O-R, but they took the contraction, which is supposed to be a standalone contraction, Dots one, three, four, six are supposed to be um, a standalone, but instead of a standalone, they had placed J A N X O R. So it was Jansor. A, the, unfortunately, I cannot remember, but the city manager was spelled in such a, the name manager was spelled in such a way it was unpronounceable. But they had one sign that they had not yet removed when I went in after just, what, two weeks ago. And so this one sign has three lines on it. And I'll let you think what in the world it's saying. The, the sign is supposed to say city council, municipal court, and planning commission. Well, how do you spell city? Well, I'll tell you, it's not the way they spelled it. City council on the first line is spelled C. And then they used not I-T-Y, but they used O-W. So it's Cowie, C-O-W-Y. So instead of the dots five, six, before a Y, dots one, three, four, five, six, for the ITY after the C, they put an OW. That is dots two, dots four, and dots six. So it's Cowie. Council was spelled Cown still. That is C O W again, N C I L. So they, again, instead of using the OU contraction, they decided they would use the OW for municipal court. Municipal was spelled fine, but with courts, of course, they put the OW in there. So it was Howard, <laughs> C-O-W-R-T. And planning commission? My goodness, this is... This is not the best one. The best one is coming after this one. Planning Commission was spelled P-L-A-N-N, and then they put in the WIF contraction. Dots two, three, four, five, six. So plan WIF, I guess is the way you pronounce it, not planning. And commission, oh my goodness, this is a good one. It starts out with, OW again, MIS, then they use the period, dots two, five, six, and then an N. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it other than Almis dot N. Well, the last one, the last thing to say deals with the business meeting room. And they have just recently removed it. It was, but I remember it so vividly. It was the first room when you entered the door. And it's supposed to be business 
meeting room. And what they had up there was wow, 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 wow. OW, 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 OW. That's two, four, six, two, four, six, two, four, six. A whole line of them with, I think there were two errors. I was so disappointed because they had recently removed that sign to update it. So those were the braille errors. So my initial thing was, how do you spell city? Because my city spells it C-O-W-Y. Anyway, I thank you for having me here to talk about braille proofreading. And I hope you will have some great errors that you've come across. Back to you. Thank you, Jan. And of course, our uh, people are waiting to ask you questions. Uh, for some of you who are yet to reach this level, uh, and if you found it scary, just don't feel scared. And it's good to hear things which we are not aware of. And you know what's going on when you get the Braille books or Braille periodicals or Braille materials. You know, the process it goes through, as Jan explained, you know, how long it takes to proofread. So uh, it should be quite a bit of learning process for many of you. And those who are expert in Braille, there are quite a few here. So they may must have enjoyed also this presentation. And before I allow you to raise your hands, which you can start doing, of course, uh, I welcome Binai B from Nigeria. After a long time, uh, those who were attending my earlier uh, Braille sessions know Binai B. And uh, for many of you, she's a new person. But uh, yes, she is in Nigeria. Welcome, Binai B. With that, let's open the floor and uh, let's see, Ibrahim, who is the first one to ask a question. The first one to ask a question is Jane Toledo. Jane Toledo. Hello. Hello, all of you. And it's Jan. Is that correct? That is correct. Jan, I am a Braille reader. Um, I began taking the NFB moderated, um, facilitated online proofreading course. And I got halfway through it before life uh, issues for my family got underfoot and I, I had to set it aside. But I absolutely believe in proofreading. And my favorite story is going to Chicago to visit friends of mine. He was one of my first teachers at Syracuse University. And he was so absolutely proud of what Chicago has done around Braille signage. So he took me to, oh, shoot, what's the very famous building, the Sears building, this whatever, just to some of the famous buildings. I said, well, let's take a look at this. And all of the Braille was incorrect uh, in one way or another. And he was so disgruntled by that. Mm -hmm. And I said, what has to happen is when people hire Braille signage done, they need to incorporate proofreading at once it's done because you don't know. You just look at it and go, that looks good to me. But um, what was the building? I can't remember. Oh, well. Was anyway, it that like was... a museum or? A... No, it was. Are you um, the Sears Tower? That's what it was. Exactly. What the was Sears that? Tower. Sears the, Sears, the Sears Tower. The Sears, yeah, the Sears Tower. It's a. And One they the they also had a Chicago, and they have a beautiful. They did have at that time a beautiful portrait, not portrait of people, but a beautiful painting, and there was braille description of it, which was also incorrectly done, and it made me sad <laughs> for them. It's like Sears Tower, you got to have better feet to stand on. So that's my favorite story. And then there are always hotel rooms that are misnumbered. Yes. No matter where you go, you know, they are. Um, 
cruise ships do a better job of making sure their signage is correct. I have not been on one cruise ship yet that had incorrect signage. Oh. And that would be um, America. What was it? Well, they're they're Viking yeah. Cruises and another cruise ship company that I, I I have liked. So I haven't been on all of them. But anyway, bless you. And I loved your, your comments. It's so interesting when you see a mess up like that. You go, what on earth? Now, how would I say this? And as a person who is blind, if you... You're always working to understand phonetic sounds for spelling up against correct visual spelling. So I go, well, this could be awfully fun. But anyway, I'll go for now. And it was good to hear you, Jan. Okay. Before Jan answers to Jane, I would like to mention one thing, that many of this signage is incorrect because these are done by sighted people. And they are not professional Braille transcribers or Braille proofreaders. Mm. So I'm not against the sighted people doing Braille. Don't get me wrong. But many of many times, such errors are made because they do not really know the ins and outs of Braille transcribing right. and proofreading. Right, Jan? Yes, correct, uh, correct. That's right. why no. I really love the fact that my city hall was such messed up because it shows yeah. you, just like Jane said, the signage that is just uh, atrocious because it is true, Baleen. Many mm -hmm. of them are just done by sighted and they just throw in whatever. And they then they expect the, us to they, trust they, them. Yeah. They look at the list of contractions and they start using. I remember one day a person who was doing Braille sign uh, called me and said that, is there any contraction for O, F? I said, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then he said that I couldn't understand this, the way it is written, roof. You know, they've written R, O, and then there is some dots, one, two, three, five, six. I said, that is correct. <laughs> but he couldn't understand because he was... Not a professional transcriber, and he was just Correct. doing the science. He was cited, and he picked up the list of braille contractions, and he was trying to do. Then and substitute that... them in. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, shall we move to the next? Yes. Um, let's first check with Herbie if there's any raised hands in clubhouse. We do, Alan. Herbie Allen? Hello. Yeah, what was that? Yes. Hello. Um, no, this is Alan with his first name, Alan, not really. Oh, hi. Me. Okay. Yeah, this is Alan. Anyway, go ahead, Alan. Hello. Um, I had considered briefly the idea of making things like, uh, well, I guess you would call them key tags, like inspirational uh, things in Braille written on them, uh, like hope or luck, you know, things like that, uh, short little phrases um, written on plastic made with a 3D printer. So kind of like taking Braille to the next level. And uh, I was wondering if there's anywhere I can find any kind of documentation on uh, uh, the, the size and spacing of, of Braille dots. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, as far as the spacing is concerned, I just circulated one handout about dot spacing and, you know, uh, so if you would like, uh, send me your email at Shah, which is my last name, S-H-A-H, at East Base Center for the Blind.org. Alan, are you joining first time? Uh, first time I think I was in this room, yes, but I am a, a fan of Braille. Um, oh, of course. To, yeah. um, no, no, I'm, first time in this room, I mean. I, I don't mean first time knowing Braille. Braille. Okay, welcome. Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing, but let our guest speaker answer your question. Okay. First off, on my, um, tr my embosser, it actually has for signage as to the dots, because they're a little bit larger and a little bit more formed. 
than you do have in paper. Um, as far as the idea of uh, the hope and luck, things like that, I actually have some pieces of uh, jewelry that I bought long ago. Uh, I believe National Braille Press was actually selling them. Uh, mm. And I personally have made jewelry with um, taking a brass uh, uh, oval and putting it in my um in my slate and using a more uh, uh, a stylus that happens to be more uh larger and i actually pounded with a hammer or thing and made um necklaces pieces that i've given to people as gifts but there is actually braille signage re, um, requirements and as i said the dots are a little bit more formed and they're the overall it's just slightly larger than a embossed paper whether you're using slate and stylus or an embosser okay this this would be a 3d printer understand you should be able to find something to do a 3D printer braille, I would think. I don't do 3D um, uh, 3D printers. Uh, we had someone here that did one, uh, mm. and they did make some blocks, and they put some braille on the block. So they obviously got, they, they made a little um, toy blocks for children. Oh, and they had braille on the toy block you know, like an ABC block, you know, the children that play with, and they did use a 3D yeah. printer and they did put Braille on it. But okay, I was well, not involved. Yeah, good. I'll keep my eyes open. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right, thank you. Okay, welcome. Now, before we move to the next, I think the next one is Rick, right, Abraham? Yes. Yeah, okay. So I just want to relate a little story. Uh, about this dot spacing and dot size. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, those uh, who have been blind for like long time or since birth or since childhood may or may not know that at public places, the signs in print are written pretty large. You know, if you're able to read letter A or B, uh, the print letters with your fingers, those are really big. The purpose is that the sighted people can see and read from a distance. Like there is a statue and, you know, and around that there is some writing. So one uh, person who also provided, whosoever transcribed it in Braille, used uh, that kind of large size Braille in which there was a distance of at least one or more inches between two dots. Oh, no. So, so imagine, it was a statue of FDR, those who know the American history, mm -hmm. uh, which I taught long back, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was our president for four terms. Uh, president Roosevelt's statue was there because he was handicapped. They thought to have Braille available for the readers. And uh, the signage was used like, you know, big distance among the dots. Now, the poor transcriber did not know that the basic rule of reading Braille is that we should be able to have one Braille symbol underneath our fingertips so that we can read. That was the idea that our genius Louis Braille uh, got it. And that's how he prepared this Braille script that at least we should be able to read one braille symbol underneath our, you know, pad of the fingertip. And these people, they made large braille. It was so funny. Of course, somebody then brought it to the attention. They removed all braille signs that were, you know, taking so much space there. And ultimately, correct braille was uh, displayed there. So that's something fun. Now, okay. when I was talking about the 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 signage being a little bit larger it's not as large as jumbo braille no it's just right. a little bit rounder a little bit uh, 
yeah. Bigger, Little, just slightly more than regular Braille. But still readable by our fingertips. Correct. Now, yes, yes. micro Braille, okay. of course, in Japan. Yes. So, oh, oh yeah, that's different. Smaller slightly, size, yeah. which I really love. Oh, yes. Okay. Let's, Rick is getting impatient, I believe. So over <laughs> to Rick. Before we move to Rick, I just I, to I think I yes. can... Uh, Sorry, before we move to Rick, I just want to say that we have uh, five participants with raised hands in Zoom. Oh. I just want to check with Herbie how many we have in Clubhouse because we have 14 minutes to the hour. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. Yes. Rick, let's be brief. Okay. I'll be quick. I'm unmuted. Yes. Yes. No, you're okay. unmuted. Uh, yeah, we can hear you. That's astonishing. Yeah. about the uh, COWI and, <laughs> and commission and all those other areas of <laughs> commission. Anyway, uh, yeah, um, it, it's hard to believe they don't have a an experienced Braille person to proofread stuff like that. Um, I've had better experiences with, with Braille signage, but and, and I was not aware of the smaller and larger um, Braille representations for signs and what. Anyway, uh, I did a little bit of proofreading myself, and this was not signage. It was a book, a cookbook, actually. And this person's uh, embosser did some strange things, even when even when the text going into it was probably correct. Uh, spacing would be funny sometimes. Like, it would just kind of stop at the earlier middle part of a line and then go to the next line for no particular reason. Uh, or the the weirdest thing it would do, just sometimes, just occasionally, quotation marks would show up as dot four o. No, I I grant you this was before UEB, so I'm guessing that the trans that the scanner or whatever it was thought that it was looking at an O umlaut. <laughs> That's all I can <laughs> figure. Hmm. And I don't really, there wasn't really that much that the, the woman could do to correct that except by hand, uh, because her embosser was just plain misinterpreting things. But yeah, that's, that's some pretty, pretty strange, disappointing stuff you're talking about. Well, um, and by the way, welcome to our newcomers. And, uh, yeah, like the woman from Nigeria and Alan. Um, so I'll let you guys move on. Thanks. Thank you, Rick. Okay, then we have Don, I think. Um, let's check with Herbie if we have any in Clubhouse. Who? Herbie, um, check if we have any in Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yes, Herbie. Yeah. We do not. Okay. We do not, okay. Then we'll okay, move so to we Dawn. Move to, yes, Don, bid push. Okay, so um, my question to you is, I'm curious about some of these um, braille codes. So how, where can you get information about these braille codes? Cause okay. they the sound interesting codes, to me. The braille codes are available online at braillethority.org. Okay. okay. Braillethority.org. Yeah. Braille and okay. that, that actually represents Braille Authority of North America which is called BANA, but their website is BrailleAuthority.org. Okay. All, okay. all of the codes are there. They're available mm. in um, Braille downloads. Oh. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So they are available. Mm -hmm. So go to that site, and you'll see all the various Braille codes. And um, they also, this is the site by which the Braille Authority of North America is um, has all their material. If they're putting up a new changes to a code, they're asking for input. Uh, the National Braille Association also has a um, ask the expert. So if you've got a problem with a with transcribing, you can for free ask the experts, and they'll tell you how to do things. But the codes themselves are for free, and they're available at that website. Oh, okay. So, so Great. if I, so if I, as a lay person, you know, if I see something that's kind of, that looks a little odd to me, 
I can go to NBA and just ask them, hey, I seen this weird symbol thingy bod. What the heck Cor is this thing? Correct. You can. It's oh. called Ask the Experts, and that is at nationalbraille.org. Oh, and okay. And called Ask the Experts, and they'll be able to tell you. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Great. Thank you, Don. You're and we move to next. Uh, we have Linda, Linda. up next. Yeah, Linda. Pekarski. Yes, here I am. Polish. This, Sorry. Yes. <laughs> this, this is fabulous. I had already come to the conclusion that I was going to have to take the transcribers course simply because I want to know more. Mm -hmm. But my, my question, Jan, you're marvelous. But my question is, what is a Braille typo called? Is it a Braille or is it a Brillo or what is it? What would you call it? I don't have a name for it. I don't know. <laughs> it's a paper clip. <laughs> yes, it's definitely tons of paper clips. <laughs> well, uh, what is that, Linda, you're asking? Braille, hypo? A, a Braille type. When you make a mistake in, in the print world, it's called a typo. <laughs> a, a oh, typographical, okay. It's a typographical error. Correct. So what would you call a Braille error? And... I like the idea of calling it a paperclip, really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got but it. Thank you so very, very thank much, you. Jan. That was marvelous. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's a different aspect than maybe you've had in this uh, group before. Yeah. We have three more questions. So, Dorlin. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jan. I really enjoyed your presentation. I'm taking the transcribers course and hope to take the proofreading one next. And it's just so informative about what's to come. Um, I have a couple questions about you, your specific process. Um, my two questions are, which embosser you use? And um, well, I guess I have two about the paper clips. What size? Are they the small or the large? And what if you had two errors on one line? Would you put two paper clips there or what? And thank okay. you. Okay. My the embosser that I have, I have a lot of old equipment. I have an enabling technologies Juliet Pro. Mm -hmm. uh, I have two of them. Oh, oh. Uh, one in my office and one at home. You should uh, rather have Juliet and Romeo. Let yeah. them be romantic. Uh, well, I, I, it, it has, um, it has, interspace two-sided embossing. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good workhorse. It's mm -hmm. a good workhorse. Now, when there are two errors in the same line, yes, I. Well, first off, I do use. The regular size paperclip, not the giant size, the regular size. The largest size, just like most all Braille readers, uh, use a paperclip to denote where you stopped reading at. But I use them for errors. And if there are two on the same line, either I remember it. Because remember, when I'm going back through and reading to do my report, I'm looking at the whole line. Um, but usually I'll double up one on top of another sometimes to remind me. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Ethel? Ethel Miranda. She still has audio muted. You're on computer. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, you are. Go ahead. Oh, very good. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, Jan. You did a great presentation. It's really interesting. Um, and I just want to add a comment. I think it's incumbent on all of us Braille readers to, uh, as we go along, I think we are going to come across uh, in our public spaces. I know I came across uh, them at my transit centers, which really worried me because we rely on on those, um, you know, bus route numbers to be uh, that signage to be correct, um, especially when we've got new people coming out there who maybe haven't, um, that maybe haven't 
use public transportation. So it's already new to them. And um, so when I noticed that at my um, and my local um, transit center, um, that they had a 320 bus route. When there wasn't a 320, it was the 305. I had just gotten mm. out and it's one of the main routes. And, um, <laughs> and I happened to be volunteering at my blind center uh, to help teach Braille, but also um, some of the new ones who were coming out because they knew I took public transportation and would ask me and, and I, my guide dog and I would volunteer to go show them their routes, um, kind of like mobility uh, from here to here to here to here um, if they had a specific, uh, because I'd been uh, on public transportation my whole life. And when I came upon that, um, you know, and I, I was I was surprised because I would come in and I, I put it to their attention um, and at first they were like, oh, okay, well, thank you for letting us know. And I'm like, no, really, that needs to be fixed. You would never, ever put wrong signage visually. Mm -hmm. That is not okay because that's a liability, you know, and I brought that up. I said, that mm -hmm. is a huge liability. Um, don't do that. And, um, and I, I did have, uh, you know, a, a student who would say, okay, Uncle, so at this one, I transfer from this. Is this the bus that really isn't this number, but it's another number, but it's, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, so I actually had to take it to the board, uh, the board of directors. And I took, you know, we have a public speaking three minutes and and I took the microphone and, and I guess kind of shamed them and said, that needs to be changed now, you know, like yesterday. Um, and um you know, so yeah, it might take a little bit, but it did get changed. They did, you know, finally move that around. And um, and I kind of noticed that sometimes the public almost tears off, even though they're metal. I yep. noticed that in our, yeah, they, it's like yep. they, they, they remove the dots. Mm -hmm. They would remove them. It's bizarre. <laughs> but it's up to us to like, Okay, that one right there needs to be replaced, just as you would replace, you know, a vandalized signage in your public spaces. Correct. Um, so it means we have to be vigilant and we need to speak up for our we rights. We Unless we as blind and visually impaired individuals don't bring it to their attention, the authorities would not change. Correct. really won't. Again. We really have to do it. Yeah, Correct. not just for us, yeah. but for those behind us, because we know there's more of us out there. We really do. Mm -hmm. But thank you. Thanks a lot. Okay. Michael Moore, what more do you have to say? <laughs> hey, real quick. Uh, somebody mentioned about the Braillo. I think a Braillo is actually an embosser. And yes, yes. I have experienced um, I, whenever I went to college, uh, one of the places I went to actually had the wrong the room number. It, it it said 200. It was supposed to be 207. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on mm -hmm. with this? Then about it. And I've also seen it where uh, whatever was in print was not in you know other stuff that was in print. It just said the room number. It didn't say what it was. It just just said the room number, nothing else. And whatever was in print, because you know, people could see it, but it was not intact. It wasn't in. Uh, well, Braille and it wasn't also in the, in the uh, mm -hmm. tactile print, no raised letters. So oh, I, okay. I, whatever, what, I also think whatever is in print should be in raised letters in print and whatever is written in print should be in Braille. Wow. Not just Braille and what do you think, raised yeah. I don't know if the fine companies are going to like doing the extra work, though. <laughs> no, they're not. Well, hey, it's a yeah. Would be even for for people who have, have to see large print. Yeah. So yeah. also with the right letters, they could see that too, right? Correct. Correct. That fulfills the condition of people who use large print, cannot read so regular can... print, and cannot yeah. read Braille as well. So that's right. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, uh, many elevators and all. I've seen both signs. Yep. Okay. With that, we are reaching the end. But I would like to remind you all about two things, any question you have or any feedbacks about today's presentation, please email it to me, shah, S-H-A-H, -H, 
at eastbaycenterfortheblind.org. And once again, in the, during the holiday season, if anybody who is able to make and willing to make donation for the development of distance braille education courses, please contact me again at shah at eastbaycenterfortheblind.org or the phone number 510-843-6935. So we have reached the end of this hour. Of course, we can continue. We, we got 15 minutes extra on our list, but I know that some people are in hurry to go. And of course, I wouldn't take more time from Jan Levine, who is our guest speaker today. So thank you so much, Jan. You did a great presentation. We all feel enlightened. And with that, I would like to wish everybody a good week ahead, and good weekend, and see you next Thursday. Bring your questions related to Braille. And I'll request Jan Levine, who is so expert in that, to be part of our session so that you can answer questions if you can. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye now.